You're listening to Halford and Bruff. There is still the potential for this team to play its way out of a situation where they're giving themselves the best chance to draft Connor Bedard. Those two big bodies battle for the puck. That's a lot of sausage. Chris from the night. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Brock. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, laddie, good morning to you. Hello, hello. Uh, Halford and Brock of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of accurate dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari accurate dealer today. I don't even have an intro. That's Jason Bruff, everybody. What was the funnier part of that voice break? Was it the initial voice break or the collapse entirely afterwards when I realized my voice was breaking? It was the aftermath. Yeah, the, sure. the aftermath. Because Chris was the voice break, and then Nanaimo was the collapse. Yeah, Nanaimo was the building slowly falling down. <laughs> Very slowly falling down. No. Chris from Nanaimo. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just started laughing. Yeah, he knew what he had done. Uh, we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Hey, it's Thursday. It's new read day. Ooh, look, new billboard day. We were just talking about that actually <laughs> off air. <laughs> this year, get her English muffins. Clown college, you can't eat that. <laughs> the 2023 RBC JJ. <laughs> There's too many letters. There's too many acronyms in this read to begin with. The 2023 RBC JCC Sports Dinner is coming up on March 28th. You can be a part of the dinner by entering the 50-50 draw and the Do It Cadillac Raffle on now. Visit sportsdinnerraffle.com for tickets. This year's guest speaker is brought to you by ZLC. He goes by a single moniker, Gronk. Oh, Gronk is going to be... Oh, he could tell some stories. And also probably, I don't know, shotguns of beers or something? G-R-O-N-K will be at the RBC JCC Sports Dinner. Brought to you by ZLC. That's right. Another (laughs) acronym. Uh, For full event info, go to jccsportsdinner.com. There you go. Business out of the way. Let's get into some more business, shall we? It's a fun Thursday here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I am very excited for this show. There's very few moments in my broadcasting career where I can say things like, I am proud, and this is fun to do. But today is one of them. Is it because we, we've got Brendan Batchelor at 7.30? It's because of Brendan Batchelor at 7.30. Mm-hmm. Rarely do we get the chance. No, look, I'm starting at the end of the show. 8 o'clock, tennis legend, top 50 sports icon of all time across all sports. Everybody knows this man, except Randy Cole. Uh John McEnroe is going to be joining. You can't be serious. I am serious. So why is John McEnroe joining our show? Well, the 2023 Labor Cup is coming. To, not the Labor Cup. That's something totally different. The Labor Cup is coming to Vancouver in September. This is an annual event, except for those stupid COVID years. An annual event where the top players in the world. It's kind of like a Ryder Cup format. There's mm-hmm. Team Europe, but then there's Team World. Right. Okay. So you get uh, John McEnroe and his brother Patrick McEnroe captaining. Team World. Felix Oje Aliasim is going to be on the world team. He was the first player named. So it's a big annual event. They go to big 
uh, cities like London and Prague and Boston and Chicago. It's a very big event. It's very cool. They have a black court. It's all like futuristic looking. Oh, it's gonna be exciting. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna get John McEnroe on to talk about that and a whole bunch of other stuff. I am going to be the guy that somehow works John McEnroe into JT Miller discourse. Yeah, good. That's my plan. No, I think we should. I mean, first of all, here's the connection here. John McEnroe is a Rangers fan. Yeah. He's a Knicks fan, too, but he's, he's, he's a Rangers fan. He goes to Madison Square Garden a lot. He just lives there. Did you know he, that? Yeah, I, I, I did know that. He lives in the bowels of Madison Square Garden. <laughs> uh, well, I, we can ask him about that, too. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how hardcore a Rangers fan is he is, so we can ask him, like, hey, do you remember J.T. Miller? And I think some of the questions we can ask is, like, is having the type of temperament that you had and also maybe J.T. Miller has – how what what were the positives of that and what were the negatives of that? I was going to ask him what they could get in return for a JT Miller trade to Carolina, but we can ask him that too. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's okay. like, I don't know. The question, jerk. John McEnroe is like, does Carolina still have their first? Yeah. <laughs> How much are you willing to retain on an extension? <laughs> That would be amazing if that's where that went. Okay, so John McEnroe at 8. Brendan Batchelor, as he mentioned, at 7.30. Uh, Frank Valley at 7. Jeremy Rutherford on the St. Louis Blues, who are sellers in a big way at this deadline. Maybe buyers a very interesting team. Uh, they, of course, are hosting the Vancouver Canucks night. Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic. He writes about the Blues. will be joining us at 6.30. Speaking of the Blues, they will host the Canucks, as I mentioned, 5 o'clock uh, in St. Louis. You can hear it right here on Sportsnet. 650. We're trying to keep the what's happening short, but I do want to say tonight is McDavid versus Crosby as Edmonton takes on the Penguins in Pittsburgh at four o'clock our time. So that one is Bears mentioning as well. It's a good night in the NHL. It's a good show ahead, really good guest list. So without further ado, let's get this bad boy rolling. We'll tell you uh, what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was. We know how busy your life can be. Well, I don't know if the Canucks were listening to our show yesterday, but around 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, we had a couple different conversations, tangents about Aturatu playing down in AHL Abbotsford. Chris Faber came on the show and talked about him, said he hadn't been that great through his first handful of games with the Canucks, the baby Canucks. He said even Ratu was like, I've been terrible. And then we said, I, I think I just asked out loud, when do you think we'll see Ratu at the NHL level? I expect him to maybe be in the AHL all of next year. Well, the Canucks showed me because Atu Ratu is now up with the big club. He was recalled yesterday by the Canucks along with Guillaume Brisebois. Yeah, he's still around. That's ahead of the game against St. Louis. Uh, Oliver, Oliver ekman Larson is the reason for the Brisebois call-up. He's on IR. And Phil DiGiuseppe goes down to the American League Club, so Aturatu can make his uh, presumably debut, I suppose, in the next little bit for the Vancouver Canucks. Okay, so two things here. Yes, OEL is partly to do with the Guillaume Brisebois call-up, but the Brisebois call-up is mostly about Luke Shen going home because right. the Canucks no longer had an extra defenseman on this road trip. Um, Brisebois, f- for the record, um, I would put him in there, and I would put him in there over Riley Stillman because Riley Stillman was not good the other night, does not deserve to be in the lineup. And frankly, when I saw Breezebois earlier in the season, he wasn't spectacular, but I thought he was pretty solid. So If you want to win games, if you want to win games, that is exactly what you should do. Well, if you don't want to win games, keep Stillman and Myers together. There you go. Uh, the DiGiuseppe um, demotion, if you want to call it that, 
a lot of people will be like, why? He was he was playing well. I, I even saw him on the PK, and he, he kind of looked good on the PK, and we need better players on the PK. Um, he is close to requiring waivers to send him down to the AHL. So I think the Canucks want to be careful about that, and they have been very cognizant of the waiver situation. For example, Nils Hoglander was sent down to the AHL before uh, he became waivers eligible, and Di Giuseppe... I'm sure the Abbotsford Canucks want him available for the playoffs. Uh, I, I, they definitely want to go on a run this year as opposed to last year when they had a pretty good team and they lasted like two games and didn't, didn't play a home game. Mm-hmm. So they want to protect all those assets. Um, so they'll have him down there. Uh, maybe Di Giuseppe gets called up after the trade deadline. Because then it would be harder for teams to, or you know, sure. less worthwhile for for teams to like take Giuseppe and be like, yeah, we'll take him on waivers. A big part of this story, obviously, as we bury the lead a little bit here, is Atu Ratu, who you're going to. I would imagine he's not getting called up just to get the experience of St. Louis. He might just to see the, the arch. You've been to St. Louis. What else do they have there? Uh, they've got those scooters. There you go. A city with scooters and an arch. Explain. Mm-hmm. What do you mean scooters? Do you they, remember those scooters that Frank was talking about when oh, he, he was yeah. on? Yeah, they've got. They've, that's that's where Frank and I both <laughs> tried these scooters for the first time. Is that their prime attraction? They call it Scooter City. <laughs> Is that <laughs> mainly why people go there? Uh, th- that and the Blues and the Cardinals. Okay. And to a lesser extent. It. Yeah. Yeah. But it's. It, I just thought the, and the arch. I, I led with the Ratu thing because I did think it was a bit interesting that one he was getting the call mm-hmm. at this particular time. Uh, I can't imagine it was based. Uh, I'll just say it based on merit because by both his accord and everyone else's, he hasn't played exceptionally well yeah. in the American. Maybe they want him to meet or, the guys. Yeah, like hang. I don't know. Maybe it's a camaraderie <laughs> thing. Maybe there's like some sort of rookie dinner that he's going to uh, pay for. He did play in 12 NHL games for the Islanders prior to the trade. He scored a pair of goals. If you look at his time on ice in those games, it was minuscule to put it mildly. Like, he did not play a lot. He's not close to a finished product yet, at least you hope not, because there appears like there's uh, several different facets of his game that he would require work on. But I'm just trying to... I don't, I don't know if this is a read-the-tea-leaves situation or read too much into it, but I just found it interesting and a bit bizarre that this player gets this call at this particular time. Well, it when, depends if he plays or not. That's okay. That's if fair. It, he could. This could just be a comes up, tour. If it comes up as a uh, as a healthy scratch, then uh, I guess it's a little bit different. But th- there are some players actually down on the farm that I want to see. I want to see Linus Carlson. Yep, in the lineup because he's having a pretty good year. He's got 15 goals, 21 assists, 36 points in 51 games. Of course, this is the player that the Canucks got from San Jose for Jonathan Dolan. And I think at the time, Canucks fans were so upset about Jonathan Dolan that they were like, well, why this guy, like, he's this, this guy is a, he's a bust, isn't he? This Carlson kid. Right. And we saw him a little bit in the preseason, and I thought there was something there. So we'll see how the Canucks do all their um, call-ups uh, as the season progresses. We all know that the big club has punted on this season. We the, the, Just the way they're going about their business, whether it's sending down DiGiuseppe, who Rick Tockett, the head coach, has said, like, I like this guy. Yeah. I, want, I want him in my lineup. And I think we've, we've those of you who are still watching the games are like, this guy's playing pretty well. And he, he looks like he's carving out a role. 
the thing is they they don't they don't care about wins and losses for the for the rest of the season. Um, they're trying to uh, teach this team a proper way to play. They're focusing on practices. They don't even care if the Canucks are tired mm-hmm. if they practice hard one day and then have a game the next day. They're obviously not rushing Thatcher Demko back. They shut down Ilya Mikheyev. Clearly, this team does not care about wins and losses for the rest of the season. So we'll have to figure out ourselves what they're doing yep. with their young players. A lot of it, don't forget, a lot of it might be to give Rick Tockett a chance to see these guys and say, hey, listen, I only saw them for a couple of games, but I can either work with this guy or I cannot because this offseason is, fingers crossed, because we said this heading into last offseason, this offseason is going to be crazy with the amount of player movement we see in Vancouver. Yeah, and I mean, Ratu's a very important piece for this organization right now. Not just because he was one of the centerpieces in return for the one, you know, where they traded their captain. Also, uh, a organization that's really bereft of good blue chip prospects and if you want to classify him as that or not that's your decision but the reality is is that as far as the Canucks go he's a very important prospect he is a 20 year old with potential to grow who they envision being at the NHL level if you get a chance I would love to get a chance to see him play because I'm not going to lie outside of watching a handful of highlights, the one Islanders game where he actually played against the Canucks. But you didn't go into that Islanders game going like, oh, I wonder how Ratu's going to play. I had my Ratu cam at the ready. It was just, <laughs> you know, I was going for it. I wanted to see him play. Uh, let's whip around the NHL real quick, unless you got something else you want to get to. Yeah. There some, some news and notes from yesterday. Well, speaking of those Islanders, they got a big win over the Winnipeg Jets 2-1. I watched a bunch of this game. It was, it was pretty tight, uh, and the Islanders pulled it out. In the end, remember Winnipeg had gone into Madison Square Garden and beaten the Rangers, thanks to Connor Hellebuck mostly. Uh, but Winnipeg's a good team, 35-22-1 on the season now. The Islanders are doing some good things lately. Grinding they've had away. Some, they've had some, uh, they had some good comeback wins over the Pittsburgh Penguins, one of the teams they're in a dogfight for one of those wildcard spots in, and then they beat the Winnipeg Jets last night. So it's looking better for the Islanders to make the playoffs, but they're certainly by no means have cemented that spot. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Chicago Blackhawks, they win again. Patrick Kane with a couple of goals. They beat the Dallas Stars 4-3. to Did Dallas have a 3-0 lead in that one? I believe they did. So they came back. They blew it. To beat the Dallas Stars in Dallas. We had a funny text coming in uh, right before the show started. Uh, Unsigned. Oh, no, wait. It was from PK. Patrick Kane... Oh, maybe that's PK as Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane didn't get traded, so he's making the GM's life a nightmare. LOL, seven goals in four games, beating quality teams. And then, yeah, says thank you, PK. It could have been Patrick Kane sending that text. Uh, Just, or I wanted to put that out there. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, who, who knows? Um, yeah, he had a hat trick against the Leafs, and the Blackhawks beat the Leafs. Now he has two goals against Dallas, and the Blackhawks beat the Dallas Stars. So everyone on Team Tank in Vancouver is happy to see the Chicago Blackhawks climbing the standings. I wonder where Patrick Kane, if anywhere, is going to go. The New York Rangers looked like a fit until they got Tarasenko. The Toronto Maple Leafs were a possibility. And then they got Ryan O'Reilly. What are we looking at here? What's the latest scuttlebutt on where 
Patrick Kane himself wants to go. I heard some guys in my dressing room last night at the hockey game saying maybe Edmonton. Insiders. I was like, oh, yeah, they are insiders. Yeah. They're like, oh, maybe Edmonton. I heard Edmonton. I was like, where? Well, the one that is percolating right now is Vegas. And yep. that's because they just made a really interesting trade yesterday where they, they traded Shea Weber. Mm-hmm. The rights were the contract to Shea Weber. That was uh, more about the offseason, though, wasn't it? They didn't want to have all this LTI stuff yeah. on the books because you can only go a certain amount over the cap. Some people said that it was anticipation, like, oh, moves coming up. Because they basically... Um, they, 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 it was, it was just, it was a really minor trade for Dyson Mayo, one of my mm-hmm. favorite names, I might add, but it was just a swap of a depth defenseman so they could get the contract off the books. But a lot of people are saying they're maxed out LTIR. They obviously are looking for a replacement for Stone. Now, Kane isn't going to be that. Kane's not going to be Stone. But in terms of what's available and what you might be able to wedge in under the cap now, uh, there's a fit there. Carolina always appears to be lurking in the weeds. And this is really interesting because uh, Frank Cervalli is going to join us later in the program. On his daily podcast, he spoke, like we did last week, with an NHL owner, Carolina Hurricanes owner Tom Dundon, which, and he was very candid about what the Canes hope to accomplish mm-hmm. and be very aggressive at this trade deadline. So, Well, they're in a good position because they don't have to be aggressive. They just want to be. Right. They just want to be aggressive. But they've got the cap space. They've got the assets. They've got the picks. They've got everything you need to be a, a very power-playing team. We're going to try and get Tom Dunn on the show and ask him. You're like, you know, we've got this JT Miller fellow. Mm-hmm. John McEnroe's a big fan. I don't know if you know John McEnroe or not, but and then we'll ask him. We'll try and, what broker a deal? Yeah, we'll try and broker a deal with Tom Dundon. We got the chase out now. I'm not even joking. We got the chase out now. What about Dallas for Patrick Kane? Dallas would seem like a pretty decent fit because they just scouted him and they're like, yeah, he still got it. He scored twice against us. If um, put it this way, if they're going to make a real run. I think that they're going to need to add a piece up front because they're they've got decently balanced scoring, but they are really top heavy. Like it's Hints and it's Robertson, and then you've got the second layer with Ben and Sagan. But I think everyone knows the deal with Ben and Sagan is they're no longer front line guys; they're going to be secondary scorers, mm-hmm. and that's asking a lot of them, especially if you want to make a deep playoff run. Ryan and Langley text in: Could it be possible that with all these players on LTIR? talking about in Vancouver, and cap space available, the Canucks could take on a bad contract for some decent picks or prospects. Yeah, it's possible. That's what Chicago just did. It's possible. Um, The Canucks could, in theory, be part of a Patrick Kane trade. I think they're going to have to launder, uh, I love that phrase, Patrick Kane's, uh, what is it, $10.5 million cap hit through another team or through possibly a few teams. Uh, it's going to be like a very complicated transaction where like the investigators are not going to be able to follow the how it all went. And then and then Patrick Kane was traded to a private bank in the Caymans, mm-hmm. and yeah. they took part of his pa- uh, of his cap hit. He's going to end up in the Panama Papers. The, the I'm sorry, but I cannot divulge my customer's <laughs> secret legal account. Yeah. Oh shoot! I shouldn't have uh, said secret. <laughs> It's well, too hot. They're going to have to hire a forensic accountant just to get through it all. But I saw someone pause it online that the Arizona Coyotes exist entirely for money laundering. That's the only reason they're still in the NHL. The Ari- so the, Arizona so Coyotes are a mon- money laundering system. Who are the legendary players to have actually been a member of the Arizona Coyotes yet never play a game? Datsuk. Uh, Pronger. Yeah. Pronger, Datsuk. Hosa. 
Was Hosea right? there? They yeah. buried him in hell of a lineup. Yeah, yeah. How we not want to come? Weber, yeah, yeah. And then eventually Dave Boland will be on that list as well right. once his contract runs out. So there's him as well. Dave but Boland's contract isn't still going. I think it? it is still no, going. No way. No way. I, no, you know no, what? No, no, no chance. I'm double checking. No, there's no chance. No chance. Uh, but will the Canucks be involved in that? It's it's possible, but. I also think they're going to just try and maintain some flexibility because in any trade that they make, let's say it's involving Luke Shen or let's say it's involving Brock Besser. And by the way, IMAX got a new piece on Brock Besser mm-hmm. that you can read at sportsnet.ca. We can maybe get into that later. Um, on any trade that they make, they might have to take a considerable contract back so or maybe two contracts back. And in order to take those contracts back, first of all, you need the space. And then hopefully the idea is if you help some other teams out, they'll give you some assets for that. Well, that's what the Hawks did yesterday. We didn't mention it. You mentioned the Hawks won on the ice. The Hawks, I don't know if they won off the ice, but they certainly made a deal of note. So they acquired Nikita Zaitsev. You know what else they got? They got a second round pick and a fourth round pick. Mm -hmm. You know what they gave the other way? Futures. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, Nothing. Future consideration. They just took stuff. They're like, we'll take your bad Zaitsev yeah. contract. Give us a second and a fourth. We'll come wash all your cars Yeah, that's, in 2034. That's, and we'll do your laundry. That's yeah. Those are the future considerations right, right. there. Because like, the, remember the Canucks got Spencer Martin for future considerations. I don't think they've ever considered what they were. Mm-hmm. They just never did it. It yeah. just never came through. They haven't considered the future. They haven't considered the future <laughs> at all. It's very apropos for this club. But I'm looking at this and I'm saying you were really on Twitter last night, weren't? Didn't someone make a make a joke about Spencer Martin and futures consider? Was that Jeff Pat? I don't even think it was a joke. I think they just pointed out that that, oh, was, okay. a, that was another future consideration. Alfred was trade, very right? online last night. I was uh, very. Online. I love being online. I love yeah. I love Twitter. It's my favorite. <laughs> but um, this is the kind of deal. Where they're not, I mean, they're not necessarily laundering the money. They're just taking it on. And it's funny in the press release when they have to talk up the player that they got. Mm. And they were talking about Nikita Zaitsev in glowing terms in Chicago. Right. Not adding in the part where it's like, ever since he signed this albatross of a deal, he's been traded twice. Like, they didn't mention that part. Well, that deal is, I think, a little bit different than the typical cap clearing deal. And that is a lot about um, actual budget. Because with the Ottawa Senators being in the position that they're in, in that they're probably going to be sold right. after their owner passed away, um, the they've basically been given, from what I've read, this budget. This is the amount of money that you can spend. So it's not so much about cap space for them, but if they want to add a player that you know makes money, mm-hmm. makes a salary, <laughs> yeah, right. they need to clear out. Other salary. Uh, other news from last night. The Calgary Flames got a very important win at Mullet Arena. That's 6-3 over the Arizona Coyotes. And for Team Tank, what a disappointment because the Coyotes, nine, game, nine games in a row, they had gotten at least a point. Uh, that came to a crashing halt with a 6-3 loss there. Uh, Ovi's back. I don't know if you saw that or not, but Alex Ovechkin has returned from Russia uh, following the death of his father. It's not clear if he's going to jump right back into the lineup. Apparently, he went right from the airport yesterday to Caps practice, and now they are taking on. I believe they're taking on the Ducks tonight. So well, we'll he better he play them. tonight. You know, they need him. Yeah. Well, they're they're they're, 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 in, they're in real a, they're trouble, in a real bad way mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And uh, the Leafs ruled out Jake Muzzin for the remainder of the year. I think this was a foregone conclusion. I don't think anyone expected him to actually return to action, but we will see now if this pushes them because I know they've been they've been nibbling around the edges apparently of a Luke Shen deal the reunion bringing Shen back to Toronto Mm -hmm. 
Uh, he kind of seems like a guy that would fit what they want, a depth defenseman that could help on a playoff run that goes a ground total of less than one round. Do you think so, there will be a bigger deal made? Do you think Do you think there's going to be a bigger trade made than the Horvat trade or the Ryan O'Reilly trade, like those two were the were the were the two big ones for me. You can debate which one I think was bigger. Goes a step below. I think yeah, you're yeah, right. yeah. Do you think there's going to be a bigger trade made than that before March third? Would Timo Meyer be considered a bigger trade? Probably. Yeah, I think he'll get dealt. Yeah, I think there's well, a- he might be on the same level as Horvat. Yeah. But I guess it depends. I guess it depends where he goes. If he goes to a playoff team. Then yes, if he goes to that's kind of what I'm saying. Like yeah. If he goes to St. Louis, I don't care, mm. right? It's like, well, have fun next year when this mm. actually matters, right? Uh, by the way, Horvath. Well, really... Why would St. Louis do that at the deadline anyway with San Jose? I, I mean, like that—that that seems like, hey, can we figure this out in the off season? Yeah, maybe they want to jump the queue, get ahead of everybody else, and I guess wait, right. I and guess, they've got yeah. the assets to do it because they got an additional first round pick in that Tarasenko deal. Uh, I did want to close off though. Um, Horvath's been really good for the Islanders. Since coming aboard, like yeah, he, he got a big, big assist on their winning goal last night. Yep. He scored a big goal the other day against Pittsburgh to tie the game, and the Islanders went, eventually went on to win. He yep. is producing there. Yeah, and I mean, it's and great. that's without Barzell now. So, yeah. they're, and they're also going to have that game that they won last night, two to one. They're going to have to win a lot of games like <laughs> yeah. that. You know who his new first line winger is? Matt Martin. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's that was the solution there. Well, they just don't have the pieces. Yeah, I mean, not many teams could survive the loss of Barzell. Let's be fair. <laughs> Do you mean, I, I like to imagine that Horvat doesn't know any of the guys, and and, and then then Matt Martin introduces himself, and uh, Bo Horvat asks him, like, "Do you play a similar style to Matt Barzell? <laughs> Are you in?" And Matt Martin is like, uh, "Not really. Uh, <laughs> I'm very East West." What yes, would you say it. you do here exactly? Yeah. That's Boomer Esiason's uh, son-in-law. Poor, Hor- poor Horvat, eh? Goes to another team and rotating wingers all over again. It's like he can never escape hey, it. Yeah, all of a sudden es- Tanner Pearson's on his wings. Yeah, exactly. What the hell is going on How did here? you get here? Your hand looks awful. Yeah, yeah. he's <laughs> lifting up Please his glasses. Please do not make fun of my he's giant like, hand. Tanner, is that you? Then they plan a trip to go you to just Disney. just can't Disney escape Disney. this fate, poor Horvat. <laughs> okay, we got to go to break. When we come back, uh, Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic in St. Louis is going to join us. Uh, we will talk to him about tonight's game, but we'll also talk to him about the St. Louis team in a very interesting, very interesting state. Uh, they've made the two, two of the three biggest moves at the deadline so far, selling Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko. So the question for Jeremy is, what comes next? We'll ask it on the other side. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Breaking down the biggest trends in hockey. The Hockey PDO Cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. It's the Canucks and Blues tonight, 5 o'clock from Rogers Arena. No, not Rogers Arena. It's from St. Louis. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford is going to join us in a second here to talk about the Blues. But before we do that, uh, we have tickets to give away today, right, A-Dog? Yep, no, you just... Yes, we do. There a you couple. Go. They can hear you nodding. A yeah, couple different, don't nod. Yeah, nodding is great radio. <laughs> a couple different kinds, actually. So we're going to be giving away a pair of tickets to see Guns and Roses, both the Guns and the Roses. Uh, that 
is later in 2023. We're giving away tickets every day this week, including today. If you want to win those tickets, be entered into the grand prize draw. Text the what we learned. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports into 650-650. That's the Dunbar Lumber text line. You need to include a rose emoji for those tickets. We're also giving away tickets to see the Canucks play Boston on Saturday. That one is at Rogers Arena. If you want to be entered into the grand prize draw for those, send a ticket emoji. Now, here's the kicker, Jason. Okay. If you want to win everything, if you want to win it all, we're not going to give all the tickets to one person unless it's a really good text. Uh, put the rose and ticket emoji in. But remember, send to what we learned. Hashtag WWL. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Text it to 650-650. The Guns N' Roses concert, by the way, BC Place, October 16th. Thank you. Okay, to the phone lines we go. Uh, happy to have our next guest on the program from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, JR. How are you? Good morning. Could I win the Guns N' Roses tickets? You just did. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you know what? You can go. I changed my mind again. Um, <laughs> let's look at tonight's game. Let's look at the St. Louis Blues team. Not exactly the team that we're used to seeing, given that they've sold off so many pieces. So Ryan O'Reilly gone. Vladimir Tarasenko gone. Uh, a couple of depth pieces as well. And the last few string of results kind of reflects a team that's been depleted. Um, just how thinned out is this St. Louis Blues roster right now? Yeah, really thinned out. Just uh, in their 0-3 stretch here since the O'Reilly trade, they've been outscored 15-4. to uh, You look at the two guys that they're going to turn to for the future, Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas, uh, just one assist combined for both of those guys in the past three games. And they're the group, they're the line that's going to go up against top lines now that Ryan O'Reilly's gone, and they've been uh, taken advantage of here the past few games. So when you look at this lineup and you see uh, some players, a Josh Levo, uh, a Tyler Pitlick, you know, guys that probably won't be around next year, that's the group that's going to finish off the season for the St. Louis Blues. So what is the plan now in St. Louis going forward? Is there going to be an aggressive retool or hand the team over to the leadership of Kairou and Robert Thomas? What what does uh, Doug Armstrong want to do there? So at this point, it could go either way. They're loading up on the draft picks. they got a haul for Tarasenko and for Ryan O'Reilly. Right now they have three first-round draft picks. It could be four if they get one for Ivan Barbashev, I know that probably sounds like a stretch, but he's a guy who can move up and down the lineup, and I think he would be perfect uh, for a cup-contending team, say like a Boston. Jim Montgomery, the coach there, was the assistant with the Blues last year. He's very familiar with Ivan Barbashev. So I, I think there's a possibility of four. Now, do you use those draft picks and you take a few years to get this thing back uh, going again? That's possible. But I think with Doug Armstrong and how long he's been here and the sustained success he's had and wants to te- keep the team competitive – I think he's going to try to parlay those picks into a player in his 24, 25, 26 age group that can come in and help this team. And I think that's why there's been interest on the Blues part. They reached out to San Jose about Timo Meyer. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to be Meyer that comes to St. Louis, but I think that Doug Armstrong is going to exhaust all of his options trying to find a player like that who can come in and keep this thing going a little bit quicker than uh, most would think with a rebuild. Jeremy, when the uh, St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup a few years ago, a lot of people looked at that blue line and said, I wish my team had a blue line like that. Well, Petrangelo isn't on the team anymore, and a few of the guys are getting a little bit older now. You've got Justin Falk, 30, Tori Krug, 31, Colton Pareko, believe it or not, is almost 30, uh, Nick Letty, 31. Is it still a good blue line, and is there any concern about the age of the blue line and the amount of contract term remaining on it? 
Yeah, it is not a good blue line right now whatsoever. It's the exact opposite of what we saw in 2019. And look, rosters evolve. Uh, you had a situation with Alex Petrangelo. Do you re-sign him? The Blues, um, they, they didn't meet the asking price in terms of the fit, so on and so forth. And so he goes to Vegas. We all know what happened with uh, Jay Bowmeister and continue to pray for him and hope that, hope that he's doing well. Uh, but it was a long, lanky group that played you know, pretty tough, even though they weren't a bunch of tough guys. Uh, they played tough back in 2019. So now the roster has evolved. You still have Colton Pareko left over from that group. Uh, but without Jay Bowmeister next to him, he just has not been the same player. He's gone through some back problems. When Petrangelo left for Vegas, the Blues' answer was Tory Krug. He comes in. He's been banged up all year. Uh, you have Justin Falk, who they got from Carolina, obviously. And he's been pretty good for the most part. Uh, but then you bring in Nick Letty last year. That's your top four, Krug, Pareko, Letty, Falk. It has not worked. And so the Blues, I think, are going to have to make some changes to that group. The problem is what you mentioned, the term, Colton Pareko. Seven more years left on that deal, and he's 30, 31 years old. Tory Krug, Justin Falk, four more years each on their deals. And you look at Nick Letty, three more years after this year. So the talk right now in St. Louis is can they unload one or two of those guys? I think the preference in St. Louis would be like a Pareko or a Tory Krug, and that's why their names continue to pop up in the speculation. You know, you can kind of understand why Armstrong would want to go this route because he has done it with some level of success before. I mean, this was a team, remember, it was the Steen and Stastny and most David Backus era, and then he managed to turn that over through some acquisitions to the O'Reilly and Tarasenko era. And then on the blue line, he went out and instead of rebuilding – he went out and made the Justin Falk trade and then got Tory Krug. So he's had some success here. I guess the question is, is there enough of a core or enough of the pieces in place where you can do this retool as opposed to the inevitability, it seems, for almost every NHL franchise eventually is eventually you got to tear it down to the studs and start all over again. Yeah, and I think this is a, a different situation, as you kind of described there, uh, in terms of Doug Armstrong being able to uh, do this is I don't know that he could go into a full-on rebuild. We're talking four or five minimum years because of the term we just talked about on a lot of these contracts. You know, I didn't even get into Braden Chen, who's got about six more years left on his contract. Jordan Bennington, who's got four or five years left on his. You know, you're talking about trying to rebuild a team where you could look at six or seven players, and they all have long-term, and they're all big parts of the team. Top pair defensemen, the goaltender, uh, captain material, you know, if they elect to go with uh, Braden Shen. And so I don't know that Doug Armstrong can just kind of say, all right, we're going to go into the full-on rebuild. That's why I think we're going to see the, the quicker uh, retool here. Uh, but he has had some success with that. You remember years ago he flipped uh, Yori Letera and a couple first-round picks to Philadelphia and brought in Braden Shen. He's been able to do that over the years. It's just that we, we all know here that uh, it, it's tough to do these days. Uh, first of all, the money's tight, flat cap the past couple years, and you know, teams aren't necessarily willing to trade those those players they have uh, unless you're San Jose and you're in the situation like you are. So I think it's going to be difficult for Doug Armstrong to find some trade partners, but if he has his way, I think that's what's going to be the outcome here in St. Louis. Jeremy, are Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas good enough to build around and become a Stanley Cup contender? Yeah, that's a great question. And so I think it's going to be very eye-opening in the next – couple weeks month for these guys even though they knew it was coming even though they knew eventually Tarasenko and O'Reilly would be gone and next year their 8.125 million dollar cap hits kick in both for Cairo and Thomas I think the potential is there for those guys to be good enough they just have to grab it and there's probably a degree of that with a lot of young players 
throughout the league, and then all of a sudden, two years later, they 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 start to reach it, and you say, okay, well, that was the maturing process. You know, I think they're good enough, but I will say they've got to put in the work, and especially Cairo. There's a lot of skill there. I think he can lead your team in scoring. I think he can be on Sports Center a couple times a month with his goals. Uh, but I think that he has to understand that there's a lot more to it. And I'm not just talking about the age-old, you know, young skill guy has to realize you got to play uh, in the defensive zone too, but just more awareness. I think he struggled with that earlier in the season. He was on a line with Ryan O'Reilly. I think that's why O'Reilly got off to the slow start and uh, so on and so forth. But ton of skill there. I think especially Thomas can grow into a leader type after following Ryan O'Reilly around for a couple of years. Uh, but I think there's a lot of growing to do on both of their parts. Well, yeah, I mean, we know in Vancouver what happens when the leadership group gets older and either goes to another team or retires. The Canucks really lost the culture that they had under the Sedins, um, you know, that that leadership group with the Sedins and, and Bieksa and, and Burroughs and Kessler, like that that seems like 600 years ago now here in <laughs> Vancouver. And then other guys went out the door, you know, Chris Tanev and, and Jacob Markstrom. Those, were, those guys were popular in the room. Now Luke Shen might go out the door too. How is the culture in St. Louis now that you've lost players like Petrangelo and you've lost players like Ryan O'Reilly? Yeah, so there was a great culture. Obviously, you know, we've had this uh, chicken or the egg question here in St. Louis. You know, what comes first, the winning or the culture, which breeds the uh, the other one? And obviously in 2019, when you're winning a Stanley Cup, the culture was great the second half of that year. And Ryan O'Reilly, the captain up until this past week, he said, what we want to do is take from what Petrangelo, uh, Alexander Steen, what those guys gave to us and pass it down to the next generation as players. And, and you look at Robert Thomas, he comes in the league and wins a Stanley Cup as a rookie. And I was there for almost every practice where Ryan O'Reilly would stay after practice and he'd have Robert Thomas kind of look like a little chicken next to him <laughs> and going through uh, some extra drills. And, uh, and that's what they were trying to pass along. This year, whenever they started losing, Craig Bruby came out and said, the culture's gone. Don't know what happened to it. And so we sat there and said, well, did they lose some games and now the culture's gone? You know, I think that it's tough. Uh, Ken Hitchcock used to say that all the time. The chemistry, the culture, you got to start over year after year and keep bringing it. And I think that the Blues, for whatever reason, haven't been able to carry that over uh, this season. Now it's going to be up to this group without the luxury of having a Ryan O'Reilly to try to give uh, birth again to that to that culture and, and bring it back. So I understand what you're saying with that Vancouver situation. I think it happens uh, throughout the league, and it's definitely happened this year in St. Louis. So this ties in nicely to the question I wanted to ask about Jordan Bennington and can this team be successful again? Because they have been successful with him in the past, but uh, it seems like there's been a shift culturally, as you pointed out, maybe with him individually. How thin is patience worn with Jordan Bennington and his antics this season? It's it's a great question. The thing is, and I've done you know several shows where I've had to try to explain myself with Jordan Bennington in a short time, and, and I'll do my best here. Uh, I think that if you look at his stats this year, you have to say without even watching a game, there's no way this guy has played well. There's no way. You look at these stats, I don't care if you show me the video, there's no way this guy's played well. And I'm here to tell you that he's been pretty dang good. And, and if you want to talk to somebody like a Darren Pang who's there for most games and former NHL goalie, he'll tell you the same thing. He has kept this team in it a lot. This team has played so poor defensively, so poor, and I'm including the forwards getting back and helping out. 
but I think what happens is when people see the stats and then they keep in mind the antics, which the reputation for the antics is so well-deserved. I can understand anybody who sees uh, him coming out of the crease to, to go after a guy or, or, or what he's done in the past and say, I don't like that guy and I don't like that and I don't think that uh, he's got his head in the right spot. I completely understand that. I think the stats coupled with that you know, leads a lot of people to think that it's been a, a tough go for Jordan Bennington. And, look, I'm not saying he's up for the Vesna. I just think that uh, this Blues team is 10 points from sniffing a wild card spot, and I think they'd be sitting last in the counter Bedard sweepstakes hmm. if it weren't for Jordan Bennington. Okay, on that note, uh, there is a game tonight. Uh, it's the Canucks in St. Louis, 5 o'clock. Uh, real quick, JR, before we let you go, uh, do we need to know anything about tonight? Who might be in net? I know you mentioned that the lineup's going to look a little different than we're used to from St. Louis. Uh, set up tonight's game for our listeners, if you don't mind. Yeah, just the one thing that I'll point out to you is the Blues are going to get a little bit of a boost. Uh, Brandon Saad and Pavel Buchnevich back in the lineup. They've missed the past few games. You know, that's been part of the reason why they've, even uh, after trading, Ryan O'Reilly had to put this patchwork line up together because Buchnevich and Saad were both out with injuries, but uh, they skated yesterday and they'll be back. And yesterday, Tori Krug, who left on the road trip with a lower body injury, he's had a lower body injury that's been nagging him for a little while. Uh, he did not skate yesterday and he seems uh, doubtful tonight. So a couple lineup changes there on the Blues. Well, thanks for joining us, Jeremy. You're one of the best beat writers in the league, so we appreciate your time. No, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it, and uh, have fun, everybody, watching the game tonight. YouTube, thanks, Jared. That's uh, Jimmy Rutherford from The Athletic in St. Louis here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Yeah, so last game he was mentioning the guys that were out of the lineup because of injuries, and then they traded them all away. You know who played for the Blues last game? Matthew Highmore. Oh, wow, really? Remember him? Yeah. yeah. He got nine minutes and 25 seconds of ice time. Part of the greatest fourth line in, in Canucks history. There are some guys on this team, man. Josh Levo. Another mm-hmm. former Vancouver Canuck. Some guys I don't even really know. Who's Tor- Toropchenko? Toropchenko? I know, I know they got him from the Rangers. But. Um, so th- that was really interesting what he brought up about we've had the chicken and or egg debate here in St. Louis. What comes first? Is it the winning or the culture? And I think most people assume, well, the culture comes. And then as a result of that strong culture, that strong work ethic, the team starts to win. At least that's what the Canucks are trying to do right now. They're trying to instill a culture. They're trying to instill a new leadership group. They're talking a lot about the process, and hopefully a new process or a better process is going to lead to more wins. I think sometimes it's a bit of both. Like You have to have, obviously, the players that are there to start winning games, but I think culture starts to build more when guys look around the room and go, this is a pretty good team. Yeah. Like maybe if we actually sacrificed a few things or, you know, agreed that we're all in on this together and we could do something special here, maybe that's how your culture builds, right? When you start looking around and going, hey guys, let's win a Stanley Cup because that's realistic. Mm-hmm. When it's not realistic, these professional athletes aren't dumb. They don't look around the room and go like, any team could win the Stanley Cup, right? Even ours, right? They, I don't think uh, maybe some of them are that naive, but I don't think all of them are. Mm-hmm. And I think some of the problems that the Canucks have run into from a culture standpoint is that there's been so much losing yep. that they sit there and go, listen, first of all, I'm going to look out for myself. I'm going to make sure that I get paid. I'm going to make sure that I'm producing points. But also, like, I'm not going to, like, 
go through the ringer for this team that's not good. Right. And I know a lot of you out there are thinking like, well, that means they're bad teammates or that means they're they're bad people. That means they're human. Mm-hmm. Like who wants to work really, 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 really hard and sacrifice, but you know that you look around and you go, this group isn't talented enough. So why am I going to put my ego on the line? I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's right. And I I know there are other people out there, other players out there that just say, Hey, my my approach doesn't change regardless of the team. Like I stay after after practice and I and I work on my skills and I and I don't go out at night and I'm I'm not irresponsible. Like I, I'm a committed professional. But I think what happens when you do have a good team, a good talented team, and you've had a little bit of success and maybe a little failure in the playoffs Mm -hmm. is that you come together as a group and you go, okay, guys, let's get it done this year. Yep. You have to be able to look around the room and say, like, we've got a real chance of this. I mean, I think St. Louis is a super interesting example. Not necessarily the, the, the gold standard or anything, but if you look at them, they've had three different captains really three different leadership regimes over the last seven years mm-hmm. right Bacchus was their captain as recently as 2016 so they went from Bacchus to Petrangelo to O'Reilly and it's almost like the previous guy kind of like he was saying like JR was saying like he passed on the culture and the leadership to the next guy now the important thing with this group is that they had success like they knew that they were, I mean, they've been in the playoffs 10 of the last 11 years. Mm-hmm. There's been a sustained level of competitiveness, and there's guys in the room that you look around and you're like, oh, we're going to be a good team. Now, the one year they got sunk because they didn't have any goaltending, and then Biddington came out of nowhere and provided that for them. But it's just interesting to see how you can go through regime change to re- regime change, leader to leader, and still maintain a level. And then you look at what happened in Vancouver when it went from Sedin to Horvat. Horvat took over the captaincy, and he got to learn. And there's tutelage under the Sedins, mm-hmm. but the team around Bo Horvat stunk yeah. for large stretches of time. And I believe that you can pass along leadership points. Like I, I think you can pass along a way of. I'm gonna sound like torts here, going about your business, your mindset. I think you. Can, I think you can pass that along, but I think there's so much more to leaders that's innate. Well, you know, it's and a just, good thing just to generally along. with your personality, and I and I think you can tell sometimes when a leader is trying to be a leader, but maybe not a natural leader. Another good thing to pass along is a bunch of good teammates and players, because that's the other thing that St. Louis did over the course yeah, of ten that years. Helps too is like the new captain inherited a pretty good team behind him, and he's like, "All right, let's go win some hockey games." Yeah, I had such mixed feelings about. Let's be honest, I'm talking about Horvat here. I had such mixed feelings as uh, of Horvat as a captain because. I think he did everything like he did everything in a textbook way in terms of being a leader. Was he well spoken? Yeah, he was well spoken. But sometimes I wonder I wondered about whether or not he was like that inspirational leader that people were watching themselves and going, I want to be like him. But then I also give him a break, right? Like yeah. first of all, there's nothing you can pick out that he did blatantly wrong in Vancouver. And we said that, like, think think of something that he did super wrong. Mm-hmm. And then you also look at the teams that he had. And are you going to blame Bo Horvat, of all people, for the Canucks' failures over the last few years? No. But I do think that when it comes to leadership, there are guys that you just know command respect in the room. Sure. And not command, like, I think people respected Horvat, but a leader – probably commands a little bit of fear too. Like, I don't want to cross this guy. And also I want to emulate this guy. Mm -hmm. 
do the Canucks have that guy in the room right now? We're probably going to find out over the next couple of years. And just as the sort of counterpoint to all of this, Horvat was the captain of some pretty bad teams. I want to just I I want to reiterate that. Like I know I think he was a I think he, you put it exactly. It was almost like he was a uh, fill in the blanks, paint by numbers captain. Like he did everything required to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes you wondered if could he be more inspirational? Could he be more fiery? Could he be more whatever? Could he be more basically? Yeah, could he be more? You just wondered it. And then you go back and I mean, look at this. I just going back and look at some of the teams that he captained. <laughs> yeah. Just, exactly. uh, just awful, awful players, really. Like, you know, cap, captain presiding over the lousy Jake Vertanen era where it seemed like yeah. you needed a cattle prod just to get him to play hard on a nightly basis. Exactly, right? And I'm Bo, not putting that on Horvath. Right, and, and Bo's maybe most famous moment as captain in a real leadership role was when he openly cussed out Vertanen because mm-hmm. Vertanen was doing Vertanen things. So I, you know, And maybe he did more of that behind the scenes that we didn't see. Yeah, but right? at the, at the, you know what? To put a bow on this conversation, oh, what a clever pun. I didn't even, I didn't even think of that, but now I did. Keep going. Um... I'm really, really pulling for him with the Islanders mm-hmm. because I think it's a great opportunity for him really just to solidify how good he is a player on the ice. Because yeah. I think the off-ice stuff almost doesn't matter. He's not the captain of the Islanders. He doesn't have to be out there every day talking. He's just there to get them into the playoffs. And he's doing okay. a really good job so far. I did wonder when he signed that contract and the attention he got this season, is it going to be possible to reach expectations with his new team wherever he goes? And he ends up in the Islanders, and people are like calling him the savior. And I'm like, okay, good luck with that. Well, so far, so good. They so won last far, night. so good. Yep. yep. Okay. Uh, we got another hour to go on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Don't go anywhere. A reminder tennis legend John McEnroe coming up at eight o'clock. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650.